0: Make it the most luxurious dream of an end goal you could have for making YouTube videos or or Twitch streaming, and then narrow down exactly why it is you want to do it.
1: All right, Fred, what is happening this week? This week we're chatting with Sumeto
2: from Sumeto Media. And look, as we approach our 100th episode, we really wanted to put together an episode that talked about what it's like to be an emerging creator and going from a part-time YouTuber to a full-time YouTuber and all that entails. So let's get into it, Lee.
1: Let's get into it. Hey everybody, welcome back to Creator Generation. Today we are joined by Summeto from his hit channel, Summeto Media. Now I'm going to take a page out of Ant's book and rather than me do another intro i'm gonna let you take it away smito and explain to everyone who you are and what is your channel about the day that i have a good
0: answer for this i don't (laughs) know what i'm gonna do um hello everyone thanks for having me on the creator generation podcast i've been listening to you guys uh for quite a while actually um i met uh i think fred and aunt at vidcon like two years ago um and started listening to the podcast shortly afterwards so it's cool to be on it now but, yeah, my name is Sumeto. I have a channel called Sumeto Media. Um, it very much started as just my YouTube channel. I would upload whatever I wanted to. But over the course of the last few years, I made a concentrated effort to uh, try and turn it into a career. And now it's sort of become a uh, weekly talk show, comedy show uh, pertaining around the events of the internet, meme culture. And it's supposed to be just what I find interesting, but it just always ends up being funny stuff on the internet. So. It's a funny internet show now. So you, it's Sumeto, like Geppetto? I say Sumeto because in English, my name is Sumet. But it's an English pronunciation of a Hindi name, which would technically be Shumit. Uh, and so, like, I, I feel absolutely no reason to correct anybody's pronunciation of it. And the spelling is not intuitive of the way that I say it. Honestly, <laughs> half the time, I feel like I'm saying it wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, just whatever makes you comfortable. So, do most people say Sumito? Most people. Um, will probably hear me say it before they see it written. But if you were to just see it written, you would absolutely assume it's Sumito. And that's why Internet Historian very famously just says it that way and does not correct himself anymore.
2: Because that's the cue. We take with from Internet Historian. He said, Sumito, Sumito. I'm like, oh, Sumito. Okay, that makes sense. No,
0: that was the first conversation we had. And he was like, I'm just going to go with Sumito because it rolls off the tongue better. And I was like, go for It doesn't bug <laughs> me at all actually you know what that, that's a, that's a good, good
2: kick-off point because um we did uh originally meet you through the internet historian um and you know obviously he talks very highly of you and how did you come to meet him generally speaking as obviously you're uh, especially at that point a much smaller creator but how did you come to meet
0: yeah um as you guys have uh you know you've interviewed like many kudos and what have you and i'm sure as you guys interview more um like people who started out smaller and more recently you'll find that internet historian actually has a little bit of a knack for um i guess he just watches a lot of youtube as you know a good youtuber should as a good artist should should consume a lot of media um and so inherently he'll find like smaller creators and instantly be able to recognize like you know who's putting in the effort who's got the who's got the comedic timing down who isn't messing up little edits and effectively who's a Whose value and whose content isn't you know fully represented by the the number of subscribers next to their name. Um, so with many kudos, I think he found him on like a, a Reddit that he had a video blowing up on. Um, with me, I was in a phase where I was uh, I had dropped out of college. I was working full time, and I sort of you know once four years, five years in retail started kicking in. I was like, well, listen, if you're gonna quit school, you got to do something that's got a longer term goal to it. Um, so I decided to start uploading on YouTube, um, and I decided to start doing it on my own and as consistently as possible. So previously I tried to do channels where um, I had a buddy and we would like try every flavor of Kit Kat at a Target and that was very difficult to do weekly because obviously, you know, only one of us is going to be available every now and again and then suddenly it's too easy to make excuses. Um, I tried doing a tech channel, but then there's only so many electronics you can justify buying and reviewing before it starts to get obnoxious when you're not getting paid for it. So I decided that I needed to do something that I could upload weekly and would basically cost me nothing and I could do on my own. Um, And so that very quickly just became talking about whatever meme or internet nonsense I learned about that week that I thought was interesting enough to chat about for 10 minutes. Um, It got to the point where I wanted to accelerate my growth as much as possible. So at like 500, 800, 1,000 subscribers, I was uploading the better part of three times every week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, just covering whatever I could because I figured at that point it was like – Listen, you just got to learn how to edit and produce and all this stuff better. Like nothing's going to teach you faster than just repetition on repetition, right? Um, So at one point, Internet Historian is researching a video about Instagram stealing memes from Reddit. And in his research for that video, he naturally found a video that I had done on that exact topic like a week earlier because I'm recording three videos a week. Like I'm going to get to the topics pretty quickly because of how quickly I was chewing through stuff. Uh, he liked the cut of my jib. He hopped into my discord in the middle of a league of legends match. I see an at ping from the internet historian. Hey buddy, what's going on? Saw your videos. Uh, like your style. Do you mind if I steal some of your clips for a video that I'm working on? And I said, yeah, sure. No problem. I'm figuring it's somebody making like a, you know, Japanese or K-pop remix of one of my songs as people have done at that point. And then, like the day after, I'm getting like forty, fifty pings from people on my server. Like, cement, do you have any idea who that is? And I was like, No, I have no idea who this is. Uh, and then later, I learned it's Internet Historian. Followed him on Twitter. Eventually, we ended up doing a collab on the second channel. And yeah, we've we've done a dozen something projects since. That was maybe two years ago. Wow, cool. Hey, I got a
2: couple of questions related to that. First, I want to ask: Do you actually know what a jib is? Nope. I've just looked it up. A jib is a triangular sail that sets ahead of the foremast of a sailing vessel. Um, its tack is fixed to the bowsprit. I don't know what this is. Um, anyway, it looks like a very technical uh, thing, but I think that's where it actually comes from. It comes from this this nautical term. So maybe the cut of the jib means the cut of the sail. Uh like the shape of the thing, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yes. Well, he liked the cut you a jib, so obviously that was great. I mean, that's a thing we tell a lot of creators: um, is like, you know, you just gotta don't overthink it, get out there, start making content. Because if you don't do that, you're just not gonna learn, right? And obviously that process was great for you because not only were you learning, but you got in front of a, you know, a very very talented creator who you know spotted you and decided to work with you.
0: Yeah. It would be very foolish to to see that as like a fluke or a one off thing or something not to pay too much attention to because it's like just such a random, uh, you know, possibility of something like that happening. But that is uh, an incredibly common story uh, for what I would say is a huge, huge portion of YouTubers that what was really their first big break or their first big exposure was a much larger content creator in one way or another in their space or reacting to their content uh, that then blew up their name or one of their videos or a tweet that they had or something of the sort. Um, And yeah, it it really does sort of hammer home the idea that, you know, in in a lot of ways, like the first videos that you're making when you don't have a lot of eyes on you or when you feel like, um, you know, it doesn't need to be that good because you're so uh, immature with your editing or so new with your storytelling. Like those will be the videos Uh, More often than not that somebody will find while you're small and then sort of feel like they found like a like a diamond in the rough and and feel the need to, to pull you up or collaborate with you or draw attention to hey guys look at look at the work this guy's putting into 200 subs huh? he does great stuff you know.
1: So from a production point of view then Samato when you were starting out and you mentioned consuming a lot of different types of content were you looking to other similar creators and trying to emulate that editing style because there is a very specific YouTube cadence versus say other traditional media so how were you learning i mean you also said repeating is obviously the the way to learn and i actually learned this the other day that apparently it takes you 221 repetitions before you become so uh, so proficient at something that it's not something you have to really consciously think about anymore. Yep. Um, so I'm wondering, did you do 221 edits? And yeah, how did you, uh, how did you learn? What were you, what were you sort of doing?
0: Easily, yeah. I mean, I, I know that 221 number off the top of my head from playing Counter-Strike right. where everybody would repeat that sentiment where it's like you're, you're always going to keep your crosshair too low. of the time you are just not going to understand where the head height is You're not going to keep your crosshair right where you're going to see somebody's head To be able to hit the headshot right away until you fire over 200 shots at exactly that level And that's where it becomes muscle memory and then you don't need to think about it anymore You can jump up in the ground Move your mouse all around the second that you reset and you get your focus It's going to be exactly where it needs to be after you do it 200 times And yeah, like to put it into perspective when internet historian found That particular – maybe it's worth pulling up exactly the one because I remember what it is. The Insta – yeah, Instagram Keeps Stealing My Memes is the name of this video. This was two years ago, and this is – I used to stick the number of the episodes in the title as if anybody cares. Uh, This is the Sumeto Media Show episode 35, and that is after 50 episodes – no, 60 episodes of a show I titled – Um, high-quality meme review, just completely ripping off PewDiePie's uh, meme review show. So that's 85 videos that I had been uploading two to three times a week, and that's not including the better part of 80 to 100 videos that I had uploaded prior to that without any um, goals of being a YouTuber, just uploading Minecraft Let's Plays and, hey, take a look at this phone charger I bought, just uploading YouTube videos rather than, like, having a goal of being a YouTuber. So... The first time that Internet Historian found me, or the the time that Internet Historian found me as a small channel, I had a little over 1,000 subscribers, and I had the better part of 160 to 180 videos uploaded.
1: So uh, I'm wondering then, all that practice, what were you doing to continually get better, though? I mean, every video, I'm assuming, you would have looked at the performance and then said, okay, what do I need to improve to get more attention, more engagement? What was the sort of technique you were doing in those early days?
0: I remember uh, in the moment... um, I would very commonly uh, just type in, like, how to grow your YouTube channel, how to increase audience retention, how to get more clicks on your thumbnails. Um, and, like, it got to the point where after, like, the first eight months, like, I was sorting by, like, only videos that were uploaded that month or only videos that were uploaded that week when I typed in those search terms on YouTube because I had just seen everything. I would seen every video by Tim Schmoyer, every video by Roberto Blake, every video by Nick Niman, every video by Video Influencers, without exception um so you know you want to take a look at like low audience retention or the fact that you're not getting enough views and you want to think oh well what if i used a j cut here or maybe i needed more b-roll there but honestly i i think now and looking forward where i might need to hire an editor someday i think the most important thing that you can do when editing is just like it really is just sort of like editing and filmmaking where you know it isn't the flashiest thing it is almost the most subtle things that make the biggest difference the The most important thing when you're cutting a video is literally where you're cutting, where you decide to end a sentence, where you decide to start another sentence. Um, you know, if you have multiple topics in a video ending on a high point and then jumping in uh, while, you know, it's still high energy, you're not exhausting every single detail you have just to be a completionist. Rather, you're making it so that by the time you get to the end of the video, you, you haven't even realized you've been watching for that long. Um, and that sort of stuff only comes with uh, – With practice, that sort of stuff only comes with cutting a conversation you're having with yourself, watching it back, realizing it feels awkward, and then trying to analyze why it feels awkward and then realizing, oh, this pause sits here for too long. This needs to be faster. Uh, My lips start moving way too quick when I make this sound effect. I need to add a little bit of time before that. Those sorts of cuts are the difference between... Watching like a really janky video and just, you know, enjoying a YouTube video like you would any other YouTube video without any roadblocks. Uh, And then teaching yourself to do like rainbow text and cool zoom-ins and stuff on top of that is always going to have a YouTube tutorial to it. But just learning how to be an editor and being a good, well-paced storyteller is, I would say, the difficult part and probably what you should focus on as early as you can. And that is actually a
2: a really good point because so many creators, especially new creators, focus on those elements of optimization as the primary element – um and you know, they'll try they'll watch all these videos and they'll try all these different things and then they get frustrated when they don't work. Um, but often the issue they actually have is to do with things like, you know, pacing, cadence, story, those kind of elements there. Um, in effect the videos aren't aren't that great. They haven't had enough practice in making them. Um, but they're trying to get around that by, you know, putting in all these things that have better click-through rate but then you know no one's actually watching the content itself so that's it's a really it's good to hear that because that is that is so important as being a good storyteller having the right structure is so important and it's also why you know if you watch internet historians videos like sometimes you'll have like a 40 minute video and you'll watch it for 40 minutes straight not realize you've gone through that because it's so well created and so well paced and you know we're seeing more creators Get into that sphere, and you know YouTube videos are getting longer but they're getting you know even more watchable because creators are getting so good at putting it together
0: yeah I mean I think um uh, a reoccurring theme um when it comes to what I consider being sort of a well established and and commonly talked about but ultimately kind of useless tips and tricks that they have on YouTube is um, people who try to give advice on how to become a better youtuber will typically try to um push ideas and tips and tricks that are easy to measure and easy to implement it's very easy to um add in flashy editing or a title card um or an end screen element and then measure oh i added an end screen element and an end card to my video and now i'm getting more clicks at the end of my video progress right Um, Or sound effects or bleeping out this and that or adding in cool transitions and what have you Those are things that you can watch a YouTube tutorial on download a template Incorporate into your video and now feel like you've made your video quote-unquote better um, Because of uh, the additives that you've included there But it's much more difficult for you to take a 10-minute video edit it down to eight minutes you know amateurishly and then to do the same thing and edit it down to eight minutes professionally and get a much more well paced better video, but then it's very difficult to tell what you've actually done, whether or not you made any progress, and you know you'll see the audience retention bump up, but it's it's nowhere near as flashy as something like um a plug in or fancy transitions or green screen elements, so I feel like yeah that that is absolutely the most important thing, but it's probably the less the least uh the least enjoyable inclusion to your videos to make is just proper editing.
2: And look, you you mentioned before that you'd actually done, you know, over 100 videos before you really, you know, you really got going. When you're making that many videos and you're putting in that much effort, what's it like when you don't necessarily see the return you're hoping for?
0: Oh, it sucks so bad. It sucks so bad. It is that exact feeling is the reason that people say that you shouldn't do uh, or go into YouTube for the money or for the clout, for the attention. Um, It's not that nobody wants those things. Um, and it's not that everybody wants to gate people, uh, gatekeep people from being YouTubers and say that if you're not going to be passionate about the stuff that you're creating, that you shouldn't be creating at all. Um, but the reality of the situation is that for the vast majority of people, um, it takes so incredibly long to make YouTube a sustainable career. So many times you have to hit record and then export and then upload before you might even see a difference in your audience. Uh, Retention or your subscriber numbers over the course of months if you're lucky years if you're normal that you're just probably not gonna stick to it for long enough to see the results if the only thing that's keeping you going is the idea of a paycheck one day like it has to be internally self fulfilling. For you to make this kind of content and put this out into the world and to then receive feedback and start a conversation about these things that if you don't find enjoyment in the process of making the video of uploading the video and of, uh, you know, harboring the small community of like minded individuals and content creators on the Internet that, you know, like three years doing something that's taking time at a time that you could otherwise spend playing video games with your girlfriend eating food like you know like why would you make that choice every single week multiple times a week for years on end if you didn't enjoy it to some degree right it's it's just not going to it's just not going to pay out soon enough if if the only thing you want is uh more material things i think
1: So is there a point, Samedo, then, when you're putting in all these hours and, you know, years of work and not seeing the immediate response that you're hoping for, is there a point when you start to doubt yourself and wonder, should I continue doing this? Do I have the ability? Am I as skillful as I'd like to think that I am?
0: Yeah, I think uh, outside – no, I think even if you get, like, a freak viral video that that blows you up – blows up your numbers much sooner than than normal, whatever that is, uh, as far as YouTube growth is concerned, um, I think it is perfectly normal – To at some point get into a situation where you feel imposter syndrome, uh, where you don't feel like you have the tools or the editing skills or the knowledge that you thought you would at the size that you're at. Um, Or uh, you feel like, yeah, I've been doing this for several years and several years most people are at 10,000 subs, right? 100,000 subs, right? A million subs, right? Why aren't I at that? Um, And... That's a tough one because that's that's a that's only a conversation you can have with yourself, and you have to have a real high level of um, self awareness to be able to look at something and um, be able to say, "Is this going to be okay for me?" You know, John uh, John Krasinski, uh, John Krasinski uh, who played Jim on The Office, um, did a late night talk show interview. Uh, Where he said that he got sick of doing school and he was at at one moment He was like forget this i'm moving to new york and i'm gonna try and be an actor Um, That's what i want to do that's how people do it i guess i don't know i'm not in hollywood So that's what he decided to do and he told his mom And his mom said something that i think is sort of the sentiment that youtubers should take with themselves where she was like that's fine Obviously i support you but you have to promise me that if this doesn't work out in two years You will pull yourself out of this situation because there is no world where I'm going to be able to be the one to tell my son to stop pursuing his dreams. Yeah. And so he like sort of internalized that as, yeah, I, I I have to be self-aware here. Nobody who's close to me is going to um, sit there and go, yeah, this isn't going to work out for you. Or I have these checklists of things that everybody does to be an actor and you haven't hit any of them. That's not how Hollywood works, right? You, you get a crazy part or you don't do not 2 weeks before the two year period. He, he got the part for the office. Um, Is how that story ends but but youtube youtubers content creators have to be that for yourself You have to be able to look at something and go am I getting better at making videos? am I getting closer to being the type of filmmaker or content creator or um, Community leader that I want to be with every video that I'm uploading Um, And if that's the case then it shouldn't matter how long it takes for you to hit an arbitrary 100k or a million If you're getting better at what you're doing and the goal is to become the best at what you're doing Then you're slowly inching there but if your goal is just I want to make this a full-time job and your 300th episode of tips and tricks and how to Fortnite this and that isn't working out and every week you find yourself wondering, should I have been a slime channel? Should I do what Mr. Beast is doing? Should I try ASMR? Then, yeah, you got to have a real honest conversation with yourself that's like, listen, even if this does work out, it's going to be something that you're not going to care about. If you do make all your monthly living doing ASMR just because that's what works out for you. Do you want to continue to do that as your day job? Because that's what the end goal is going to be if it does quote-unquote work out, right?
1: So did you personally have that moment where you said, I'm going to give myself X amount of years or X amount of videos to decide whether I'll continue or not?
0: No. I looked at it as a am 24 now, and this is before I uploaded my first video that I would then continue to do weekly. So not my first video ever, but the first... Meme related video that would then turn into just my weekly talk show. Um, I was like, listen, you're 24 Uh, From all the videos and research that you've done It looks like it takes between three to five years to get this going to a point where most people can pay their rent with it Um, and that means if you're a youtuber like in by every definition of the word paying for your rent making videos to To um to feed yourself by 27. I mean, that's that's not bad. I'd be fine with that You know, and so that sort of became the goal. But then, even if it wasn't at this point, I had more or less already decided I was going to drop out of college because classes were getting tough. Engineering is not exactly the easiest degree. Classes were getting expensive. But most importantly, you know, they stopped being fun. And it started to make me look forward to, well, what happens when I finish my classes and I graduate college? And I realized that it would just sort of be a situation where I'm this highly paid office worker and the thing I look forward to is being the funny guy at the water fountain and, you know, like, oh, check out Samet when you guys have a chance on your lunch break. He's got the best memes, and I would take a great amount of pride in that. Like, that seemed like such a roundabout way to be happy with what I was interested in. And then looking at the alternative on YouTube where it's like, well, listen, you wouldn't have graduated school and gotten your degree for another two or three years anyway. If you instead put that into YouTube and this becomes your full-time thing, you get a little plaque on the wall, you get to have your face all over the internet, but most importantly, you can share these things that you're already spending so many hours getting all this entertainment out of watching memes and funny meme edits and watching film and anime through the guise of people satirically shit posting about them. If I can be a part of that community, I'd be much more happy than I would be just being highly paid. So it, it became pretty clear for me what, what would be the best course of action at that point.
2: Well, let's let's just talk about that. I mean, obviously, becoming a full-time YouTuber is, is a big step, right? So how did you go from you know what you were doing before this when you were a part-time YouTuber to actually going to that, that full-time YouTube role? How did you make that decision?
0: I had a few sort of rules of thumb in my head of uh, benchmarks that you should try and reach in terms of how much money you make and how much time you put into your videos before you can start to safely assume when you're getting close to where it can replace your full-time income. The really tough thing for me is I was always pretty highly paid in my day jobs, not to brag or anything, but before I started um, YouTube and when I was in college, I was, a, I was a computer salesman in the equivalent of like a Best Buy, um, but it was commissioned sales. So, so long as you were pretty good at talking to people and were relatively knowledgeable about computers, I lived in a relatively high income area or I worked in a relatively high income area. So I was making, you know, what you would expect to make as an entry level engineer In sales, um, you know, like my freshman year of college, my sophomore year of college, and I was living with my parents, you know, so to have that level of disposable income, I imagine, is not too different to having, you know, a six-figure job and and paying for an apartment on your own. Um, It really did feel like I had more money than I knew what to spend with. I bought new wheels for my car. I bought 3D printers and what have you. I bought all the Counter-Strike skins in the world. Um, That I could want and I still had thousands of dollars in my bank account because again i'm living with my parents right Um, Eventually, I moved out and after five six years of working in retail I switched to an actual engineering job that still paid me about the same but gave me better hours Um, But it was hard if I was just working like a normal college student and making minimum wage or eight bucks an hour 10 bucks an hour or something um, I'd probably be able to replace that income with youtube you know six months earlier either close to a year earlier than I actually did end up quitting my job for But because I moved into apartment by myself because my expenditures were so high and because I was just used to making this much money from like engineering jobs and sale jobs You know, it was at what point am I comfortable taking effectively a 60% 70% pay cut In order to do youtube and know that i'm gonna be okay that I either have enough money set aside or this will be enough to keep me going for the next six months and then once that money's run out in six months' time, I will be making enough money to to start paying my rent. Um, and the actual transition was sort of like I was pushed into it. I moved into my engineering job after moving out of sales because I was just showing up late so frequently to work that it was going to be one day that I was going to be fired and I knew it was coming. And so I got this little bit of a life raft where a random dude came in. Hey, I work at a startup. We're looking for somebody who can build computers. So I was like, oh, bro, I've built hundreds of computers He was like, perfect, here's my email. Met up, linked, two weeks later, I had a different job. Less than eight months at that job, exact same problem. I'm up until four or five in the morning editing videos and then showing up like an hour and a half late for work for like the fourth time that month. Like, it was ridiculous. So eventually, like eight months, nine months into that job, I was in the same situation. I was like, all right, this is, I can only do this for so long. It's stressing me out. And, you know, if I've replaced 40, 50% of my income with YouTube at this point in my spare time, Quitting this job and having that extra 40 hours free every week will probably be enough to transition me into making all the money I need from YouTube, and that was February of this year. Is it still, though, a bit of a – causes a bit of apprehension, for example? Do you think, oh, man, I need to make this
2: – because you know YouTube revenue can fluctuate a bit. Do you think oh, I've really got to make this much per month to keep it viable, or do you have a more, I don't know, balanced approach to it?
0: The biggest fear I had at that point was because while I did quit at the beginning of February, I was contemplating quitting by, like, the end of December, January, and I'd been speaking to YouTube friends of mine because I was like, listen, I am making enough money in the month of December and going into January to pay for, like, 70% of all of my expenditures – And if I quit my job and have all that free time, I'd very easily be able to make 100%. But every YouTuber and their mom says that the best months to make your money is November, December, January because of holidays. And then it just plummets the ad rates. So obviously this is not realistic of what I can expect to make every month. But how much of a pay cut am I looking at? How many months of a buffer should I have in the pocket? And I never got a great answer for it. And again, I did sort of quit my job and end up doing YouTube full-time it, it kind of at an unexpected time. I wasn't fully prepared for it and I kind of just had to make it work. But it still was this huge breath of relief. And I think um, you YouTube is tough because you need to record videos, you need to edit videos, you need to upload videos. And then you need to do that often enough that you can reliably go, hey, I'm probably going to make somewhere in the window of this much money. But it's difficult because you can only really upload one video a day, right? You can't upload video within 24 hours of another video. They start to stomp on each other. So even if you spent 16 hours every day working on videos, unless they're really that high production, you're not going to get much value out of uploading more than five to seven times a week or what have you. Working in something like Patreon where people can pay for um, meetings with you or exclusive videos or information about you that you can provide outside of YouTube – is fantastic and a, and a more effective use of your time once you're already uploading pretty frequently. Streaming is also so great when you already have an audience. The really tough thing with streaming is that there's just no way to get people to watch you play video games. But if you already have a big audience on YouTube, you know, it doesn't make a ton of sense to upload a video at 4 in the morning or even to record a video between 1 and 4 in the morning to get it up the next day. Like, that's just not a great process. But streaming all the hours that you're not working on a video is now a com- usually a completely different platform, sometimes a completely different audience of people, completely different source of revenue um, that can be its own thing. So I think keeping the combination of those things relatively healthy and not completely, um, you know, like your Twitch is only viable because you have the YouTube channel, so long as they all exist as their own entertainment entity for a viewer, um, you will find yourself. Like, it won't be like YouTube plus Twitch plus Patreon. It will be like YouTube times Twitch to the power of Patreon in terms of uh, your ability to stay self-sustaining if you if you do all of them correctly. So absolutely be on a bunch of platforms, I guess, is my advice there.
1: And in terms of then building your audience, have you found that crossing people over between platforms is something that's easy to do, or do they, are they fairly distinct, or how does that work?
0: Definitely fairly distinct, yeah. Um, you can... Have a pretty sizable YouTube and tell people to follow you elsewhere. But um, you need to be a very well-rounded content creator to even make that work. I feel like a lot of people who stream on Twitch, they aren't streamers, if that makes sense. They're like YouTubers who stream. So they'll be playing a video game. And thanking people for donations and stuff. And it's like, dude, this isn't how a streamer would grow their stream, though. Like, you need to be off the walls crazy. There needs to be big incentives for people, you know, taking the time to type something into chat or to send you $2 to do something. Like, this needs to be a wacky, live, anything-could-go-wrong-at-any-moment experience. Um, it, It... Generally shouldn't be you hanging out for three hours because you just spent all this time on YouTube and now people are getting the low effort creatively drained version of you live for four hours in the background like that isn't going to grow you on Twitch compared to somebody who has Twitch as their main platform, and now you're going up against somebody who's got an introduction. Every time somebody donates, there's a sound effect. Every time somebody chats, it takes their attention away from a very competitive game that has stakes because if they lose, they're pying themselves in the face, you know? So to do everything properly, you have to be a very well-rounded creator. And if you are that, if you are, you know, attractive enough to be uh, worth following on Instagram, funny enough live to be uh, worth watching on Twitch, and creatively in doubt enough to make a tightly cut 10 minute video on youtube um then you will find a fantastic success in telling people to check out your other stuff because they will continue to discover uh new parts of you and it's almost like finding a new creator but you already know you're going to like them because it's the same guy who makes your youtube videos but if if following you on instagram is just also following you on twitter is just also following your community posts on youtube and i'm just going to see the same post six times in my day like why would i follow you on all six platforms you know so make make sure you're using their strengths. Yeah. It's a great point.
2: Hmm. And look, we, we um what you're I guess talking about here is this idea of creating value for the audience, right? And we've I think we talked about it in an episode prior to this. Um it's one of these things that I think a lot of new creators find really hard to understand, value creation. They just think, oh, I just gotta make good content, but they don't think about the value they're creating, you know, entertainment value, you know, um, educational value, whatever that is, but they just think about it as, oh, I just got to create a good video, but they're not really understanding, well, what is the audience value? What can I give them that they will enjoy so much that they don't want to go anywhere else from? But it sounds like that's what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You, you have to be, you have to be kind of like stupid and elitist in your methodology as to, as to why you do your things. Like, it You can't make content because you want to make money. You can't make content because you want to make people laugh. That's not enough. It just simply isn't enough. It has to be this big, gigantic, almighty, convoluted reason that you want to do something. Make it the most luxurious dream of an end goal you could have for making YouTube videos or, or Twitch streaming and then narrow down exactly why it is you want to do it. So I'll, I'll give you mine so that you guys have an idea for what I'm saying. Um, growing up, I thought... I still think Futurama was one of the most brilliant shows of all time. The writing, the comedy, the science fiction that goes into that show was just so unbelievably iconic. Like 12-year-old me just could not fathom. I mean, I just thought it was funny. 20-year-old me, looking back on it uh, with the analysis that I have and the knowledge that I have, could not fathom how such a group of smart, intellectual, comedically talented people could come together and make a show this good. Um, and it provided so much like warmth and comfort in my heart to watch that show and then to like like you know it's like the simpsons it's like um you know you find somebody who also likes The Simpsons it like says so much about them that you almost feel like you could be friends with them right in that moment because it's like well, if you find it entertaining, no way we're not going to get along because we're our values are already aligned because the show is this um, polarizing to people people love it this much sort of thing and I wanted that I wanted to be able to do that. I I could not fathom how I could get smart enough to write those kind of science-y jokes or funny enough to be able to put together stories that were that ridiculous and yet tugged at the heartstrings so well that Futurama did. And I felt the same way about The Office. I felt the same way about Archer. I felt the same way about a lot of animes. And I was like, I want to do this someday. I, I, I don't think I'm a good enough comedy writer now. I don't think I could write characters that are this emotionally telling. I don't think I'm funny enough to do this now. But if I'm working at it, if I'm trying to get funnier, if I'm trying to get better at comedy, if I'm watching stand-up comedy, if I'm watching movies, learning storytelling um, and all that, maybe one day with enough uh, people around me, I could put together something that was as impactful to me as a kid uh, as Futurama was for a different generation of people. And when you put it that way and then you look at YouTube being a stepping stone to do that unbelievably large goal that you've got, it's very difficult to sit down and be upset that a video didn't do well or that, you know, something didn't get 100,000 views in a week or that you're not at a million subscribers now because the goal is just so much farther out that you have to take it little by little and go, well, I I did learn how to edit better there. I did do this one in only four hours instead of five hours and that efficiency is going to matter when we're working on a movie. I did dress up like a character here and worked on my New York accent. That that'll I can add that to my acting repertoire, voice acting repertoire, slowly getting better at this ultimate sumetto who's capable of writing a movie someday. So yeah, have, have a goal like that, derive your values from some crazy goal like that. You'll
1: find a tremendous amount of clarity in it, I found. That's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's clear then why you decided to do a comedy channel, because all of your inspiration has come from comedies. You've mentioned Futurama and The Office, and at the same time, you've, we've also covered how you got better at editing and refining that process. I've got a question about then content ideas and the strategy, your programming strategy, how you determine the next video you're going to release. How far in advance do you plan that out? Is it a mix of evergreen and trending content? How do you actually come up with those ideas? And is there a blend of art versus science in that?
0: There is definitely a blend of art versus science in that. I think through every piece of being a YouTuber, it is always going to be a balance between what you like doing and what you know will do well in the algorithm. Um, You can't just do something that people are going to love uh but you find no joy in and then you can't just do something that you find a tremendous amount of joy in that nobody is going to watch um if your goal is to be a youtuber you have to be able to blend those two things picking topics uh that you're going to cover um deciding how you're going to go about covering something it's always going to be that is the duality of a youtuber right is balancing those two things um I think you have to—I don't know if the best way to decide what kind of topics to cover is to go about it this way, but I have found that deciding that I'm going to upload very frequently um, has clarified that a lot for me. I did, at a few points, um, upload only once a week. I I started, as I said, three times a week. I just wanted to edit and upload in all the free time that I had. I found no— Happiness or satisfaction anywhere else in my life as I did researching a video making goofy jokes uploading it and seeing that 80 people watched it The next day nothing beat that feeling so I was doing it three times a week Uh, Eventually, I went down to one time a week just because that's sort of where I thought most youtubers sit they upload once a week That seems to be good for the algorithm and then you only need to come up with one idea a week You can stay ahead of it spend the rest of your time doing other stuff but I found it tough doing an internet news show and only showing up once a week when there is so much crap going on in a week. I would clickbait the most interesting story in the title and the thumbnail, cover it for three minutes, but then to fill up the other ten minutes of the video, I'd end up talking about four or five other things. No one thing got enough attention for me to really dive deep into it and feel like I did my due diligence in bringing the story to the audience in a way that saves them time and informs them appropriately about this thing that you're not going to spend the time to learn about, but I'm already... You know, diving deep into it on Twitter to learn everything I can. So let me provide you with this info. Um, And then at the same time, I felt like I didn't cover every single thing that happened in the week. Because there's 14 funny things that happened. Six of them fit in the video. Only four of them are YouTube safe. And now I don't even feel like I'm covering everything that there is. So lately, I have felt that the best thing to do is to find a single topic for a video or a couple topics for a video that are related. Maybe this is the thing that happened this week, and here's a little bit of backstory as to why it's relevant and popping up now. And then that's it. And then rather than trying to work in as many things as I can because I'm only getting one video a week, um, I very recently decided that I'm just going to upload as much as I want to. And I'm going to, and I've kind of always done this, I'm only going to make my videos what I can do in one session. I bullet point out points that I don't want to miss, but I don't script anything. I don't collect assets or video materials until after I'm done recording my face talking about the story so that I know what photos and videos to throw up behind me as B-roll. And because so much of it is improv and so little of it has structure and script, um, it's very easy for me to find something that I think is interesting, write down the main bullet points, and then from like, idea conception to finished video be like less than four hours so it's very easy for me to work in a four or five hour chunk on something i find interesting three times a week two times a week and then suddenly i'm uploading two or three times a week and i'm completely outperforming once a week Sumeto because the videos only cover one topic therefore you know exactly what you're getting into when you see the thumbnail that is the only thing you're getting into when you see the thumbnail and therefore you make it to the end of the video no problem 'Cause I didn't entice you in with stories about Dracula and then five minutes in start talking about Frankenstein, right? That's a great point. That is like that is
2: amazing. And actually, unfortunately, we have run out of time. I was just listening to that thinking, oh man, I wish we'd done a two-part, because there's some really interesting stuff here. But look, Sumita, I mean, um, as an emerging creator, you have you have done very well. Just wondering, is there like one question you'd have of YouTube like you'd
0: really want to know, um, given where you are in your growth? So I could ask like the algorithm team or Susan specifically, and they would know the answer to it. Mm. I would probably ask, um, is there a foreseeable plan? Are there plans in order to incorporate, legitimize, run ads on more risque and adult content on YouTube? Because it's felt like in the last year, they've gone from being very willy nilly about, Applying yellow monetization marks and removing ads from, uh, you know, people who've said the F word once in the first 30 seconds or the title's a little risque or someone mentions the name of an OnlyFans model and now the entire video has no money running on it. Um, And then they've shifted in order to make it, you know, a lot more of these yellow tags are now going to get more ads on them. A lot less things are being tagged as yellow. They have more specific rules. in the past. Nobody used the F word. And now it's just, hey, don't use it in the first 30 seconds uncensored. And if you do use it in the first 30 seconds, make sure it's censored. And it specifically says that in the rules versus having said nothing about it in the past. It feels like they've moved from, you know, hey, no adult content whatsoever. Everything needs to be kids safe to, you know, hey, it's fine to be you and just not be overtly sexual on our not necessarily 18 plus website. But just let us know if you're going to use the F word. Just let us know that you use the F word so that we can run ads accordingly. And yeah, it felt like there was a whole era of people who were like making risque content and uh, stuff like that with just no idea as to whether or not this would be financially viable for them going forward with every video getting demonetized to now it's like it's, it's pretty easy to walk that tightrope and stay on the right side of it because they're now like keeping you so informed about it.
2: And look, I mean, a lot of creators in your space in comedy and meme culture, that can be a very thin line, but I, I have found that a lot more creators are doing it more ably and, and, and doing it well. So... Yep, a good area. Well, look, mate, that is uh, all the time we have. But if you did have another question about what a what the cut of the jib actually means, I have looked it up in the background, and it basically a jib is a sail. And used to say, I like the cut of the jib in a good or bad way because the jib used to tell the nationality of the ship, and so you could tell if it was friendly or not friendly. So ah. that's why people said I like the cut of the jib. So you could tell if it's friendly or not. Just 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 thought I'd add that little tidbit in there. What do you what do you reckon, Lee?
1: Bonus tip. Yeah, the more nautical
0: slang, the better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so mate, uh, mate,
2: thank you so much for joining us that was uh super informative and uh we hope to have you back sometime soon yeah absolutely
0: i'm free between now and forever <laughs> thanks so <laughs> thanks man